Music and fun. Miskin Radio. This is a show where we bring you guests from comedy, acting and music with live performances and sessions. Uh, and all the new music, of course, I have for you in the next hour is from your local area. Uh, so my first guest tonight is comedian and poet Paul Ashwell. Hello, Paul. Hello. Um, and our musician in session is the wonderful David Shepherd. Uh, yeah. Welcome, David. Hello. Uh, as for you, get in touch with us on Twitter uh, using the hashtag of the KP Sessions. Um, and see what we're up to as well throughout the show on Instagram and Snapchat. We've got our producer, Maisie, uh, producer Ben, and producer Ewan, all doing stuff on Instagram and Snapchat today. Uh, little photos and videos so you can see what we're doing in the studio. Um, right, Paul. Now, you got into comedy after nearly dying. Yes, yeah. Tell us about as you that. do. Mm. Uh, I had wicked bad food poisoning, uh, summer 2016, uh, long story short, ended up in hospital for about a month and yeah, nearly had my bowel removed at one point. Um, yeah, nearly, was nearly a goner one night, woke up in the morning and the nurse was like, we thought we'd lost you, but I'm still here, still going strong. And yeah, from there really, just had a bit of a, you know, epiphany and I was like, man, life is short, you know. And you chose, you chose to do stand up. Yeah, I'd always fancied it, if I'm honest, but I uh, could never find a way to do it. And um, currently doing my little haikus and jokes and stuff, uh, I was like, do you know what, I'm just going to give it a bash. So all when all I was well enough, that was All the it. things you could have chosen, like you could have like said, right, I'm going to climb mountains, but no, I'm going to go and like gig yeah. half of my life unpaid and like do the graft of stand-up. <laughs> what, what are you doing? <laughs> Kieran, for me, that first gig was like climbing Mount Everest, let me tell you, that was a challenge. So, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, like I said, always fancied it. It's something I'd put off because I just didn't feel confident enough. Yeah. But yeah, nearly dying gave me the confidence to do it. And David, tell us about your first gig in music because I love this. My very first gig. Uh, yeah, 14-year-old boy uh, in a pub in Canning Town near where I grew up in Plasto, uh, which is near West Ham, um, sadly. <laughs> That's my team. Uh, and it was a party. The landlord said there's a party to try and keep it upbeat. I was like, yeah, okay, whose birthday is it? And he just burst into laughter and said, no, 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 it's, it's, it's not a birthday. So what party is it then? He said, uh, point at this uh, unsavoury character in the corner. <clears throat> Apparently he'd just come out that day from uh, the scrubs after a 15-year stretch for armed robbery and all the guests were people that he didn't grass up in the same gang. So that was the, the party. He welcomed him out. I was a 14-year-old lad. Okay, we'll make this good then. Hello. <laughs> How did the gig go? Did it go down well? Uh, it was all right. So I did False in Prison Blues, I think. Yeah, yeah. Jailhouse Rock. Through did that you end. reference him at all any during the show? No, no, no. I didn't reference anything during the show. When you're 14 years old, never done it before, you don't actually speak. You can barely speak. I guess like the good thing about that is no other gig is going to be as scary as that, is it? Like, uh, no, it's, it's a grounding. I mean, it's kind of, uh, you know, what I do now. I've had, I've had the sort of days of my, my ambition in terms of in the music industry are long gone. I was in band, bands during the Britpop days, you know, sort of doing all that supported feeder, did tours, bits and mm. pieces. Um, now I'm just kind of a musical prostitute going out playing covers that people yeah. want to hear. And know? going on silly radio shows. Well, yeah. <laughs> yes, uh, yeah. Um, well, that affords me able to do this. Yeah. Kind of stuff. This is the fun stuff. Um, now, Paul, uh, I want to hear one of your poems. Can you do the Christmas poem? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Let me just uh, get it up on my phone. See, I'll, I'll gig with my little cue card you've sent me. Yes, yeah, so. yeah, because that's part of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. part of the shtick, you know. But here we go. I like my Christmas like my Disney princesses. Snow White, no family. There you go. <laughs> Poetry. <laughs> Thank you. I'll take those giggles. That's all right. That's good for me. That's, that's fine. <laughs> and then, uh, the, can you do the John Claude one? Yeah, sure. Yeah, okay. He went crazy wild, punching and scratching my ride. John Claude the van. Damn. <laughs> that's very clever. <laughs> Thank you very right. much. John Claude Van Damme, the uh, Belgian actor. Belgium, yeah, yeah, but and they're like, funny, aren't they? Like, because so. are they like <laughs> when you go and do that? Yeah, what's the difference between like a one-liner comedian and what you do? 
Okay. So the jokes I do are all in haiku form, and haiku is a uh, Japanese form of uh, poetry originated mm. from there. And it's got a certain structure to it. So it has to be within a certain amount of syllables, which is 17. Uh, so the first line has to be five syllables, second line is seven, and then the third line is five as well. So there's a really tight limit and structure. But do to audiences it. know that? I tell them. Okay. Good. I'll make sure <laughs> right, I tell good. them. This is what I'm going to do in my now. syntax. <laughs> in case they think I'm cutting out words and stuff yeah. like that on purpose. So I'll definitely tell them. Like, I've got a little intro that I give everyone at the beginning of the gigs yeah. kind of thing. And uh, yeah, it just means I stand out a little bit more, really. Whenever I've done uh, gigs and stuff like that, um, yeah, they're like, oh, it's the weird haiku guy. So, Do you want to hear a fact about syllables, right? Um, Kings of Leon, every single album is five syllables, the, the name of the album. The title? Mm. Yeah, it's five syllables. Hey, fellow uh, haikuers, maybe. Maybe, yeah. Well, like, I, like the, I like the idea that, so is it, say, Japanese poetry, yeah? Uh, yeah, originated from there. So, yeah. like, so someone maybe from Japan knows a lot about like the culture sitting there at one of your gigs and just like with a notepad going, he's only he's not done seventeen syllables. What's going on? Oh like, well, like getting angry. I re- really check, and it really annoys me that if I've got a particular joke or topic I want to make and I can't make it fit into those syllables, it drives scra- me crazy. Will you, will you scrap it? Oh yeah, totally. Um, um, yeah. I've got to do it because I'd feel awful if someone did say yeah. to me, and that that happened. I think in the second gig, someone was like, "Oh, that joke. I think you need to count it again." And they were right, so I just switched the word around, but. Yeah, it was devastating. I mean, that's that makes songwriting and writing comedy look so easy. I didn't want to say, but uh. <laughs> well, it is because like I can just write whatever I want, and like in songwriting, like there's no rules. So like, yeah. j- like it helped me though because I, I had the opposite when I was trying to write jokes before and little routines and things. They'd spiral off into big messes and big tangents and stuff. So for me, the structures really helped with uh, you know honing down the jokes into those sort of seventies. Uh, it works better now as well because everything you know with Twitter and social media, everything is sound bites and a whole, hey, whole yeah, story definitely. in one line. Mm. People haven't got the attention span anymore, yeah. have they? To really sort of exactly. listen. To like, like now, it's two hundred and eighty characters. Do you reckon in like a hundred or two hundred years, like there'd be a poetry called Twitter poems? Totally. And like that would be like the like in thousands of years when they're looking back and they think like yeah. The, like the, the the birth of the Twitter poem, and yeah. they do like they make sure things are two hundred eighty characters, not one hundred forty characters. It's almost like we devolved after cave drawings. We've gone back to emojis. Yeah, well, yeah. 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 Hey, I made, that, made that point recently, man. Really? To someone? Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Hmm. We went from there yeah, hieroglyphics and stuff, and we've always bypassed language and gone back to it to pictures. I was listening to something today yeah. saying how um, there was apparently a light bulb hieroglyphic. And how like there's people saying that is that's that's proof of time travel? No, no, no. It's nothing to do with a light bulb. Someone just had an idea. Oh, oh well played. <laughs> Showing me up, man. I'm that meant to be the comic. Yeah, <laughs> and I've supposedly done comedy before, but that was way beyond me. Um, and now talking about poetry, you actually, David, you you worked at, like slam poetry events. Yeah, when well, I used to uh, run a studio in Hackney uh, called OTR, and it was a lot of events in Shoreditch run by an Australian lady who used to put on slam poetry events. And what is like slam poetry? Uh, it's just basically very fast-paced, very gritty, urban sort of social commentary poets with... Uh, it's actually very, a lot more positive than it sounds, though. It comes mm. from a basis of... A bit like hip-hop. Is it like heavily political? Yes, yeah. a lot of it, yeah. But it's also very social as well. It doesn't necessarily have to be coming from a political standpoint. The politics are always in the background because anything to do with a society is kind of made by the politics behind it that's either working or failing. Mm. Um, so, yeah, when I, when I was a songwriter, most of my songs were written out of anger. I never wrote love songs, ever. But then oh. my, my excuse for that was basically, unless I can write a song that surpasses When a Man Loves a Woman, 
There is no point. That is a good tune. There is no point. That I can't bet that. It's been done. Do you know what I mean? It's just pointless. Um, and you were, right, and we're doing Worst Jobby Wobby later, which is where we talk about terrible <laughs> jobs. But one of the things I just really want to ask you is you were a sound technician. You, you did some sound checking for the band Keen, who I'm a big fan of. Um, tell us about that. Cause this, I like well, this. well, again, down the studio in Hackney, I mean, they, they'd just broken through. Um, and like 2005? Around about then, oh. yeah. My memories of. of so many people memories kind of fade after a time and they probably get a bit embellished to be honest but at the time uh, the normal hack- the studio they used to rehearse in Hackney had double booked and they sort of came down to us and I didn't know who they were when they worked in I obviously heard the album the records on the, on the radio but never mm. seen them and they walked in and the pian- pianist set up the drummer set up and the singer was ready to go and I said oh, do you want me to wait for your bass player not knowing that famously they don't have one Yeah, yeah. so he just looked at me confused didn't know if I knew who they were or not and went we don't have a bass player I was like oh okay do you want me to put a poster on the notice board advertising for one? And, they were just like, and at that point, they thought I was just joking. Yeah, and just yeah. laughed along. So I did that thing where I laughed along with yeah, them. Yeah. Like, what but you, was that? But you were offering to do their admin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so that, that was that, yeah. Nothing more rock and roll than a bit of notice board admin. Um, all right, so this is a, a comedian, Paul Asher. I was going to do a couple, a bit more poetry later and a couple more stories. And David Shepard, who's going to be doing two uh, covers live for us very soon. Uh, you can get in touch using the hashtag, uh, the KP Sessions. Um, and, of course, we've still got the worst Jobby Wobbies here to come on Miskin Radio. That is Katie Forkings. Uh, the song is still a child. Very new. She's a very uh, young singer-songwriter. I believe she's sort of 16. Um, she's going to be coming in uh, in live session next year with us. Uh, in the show tonight, though, at the moment, uh, we've got David Shepard and we've got comedian Paul Ashwell. Uh, David's going to be doing a song a cover of James uh, very soon. Um, so you're telling us about Keen before the band Keen when you worked with him as a sound engineer. What, uh, what's the story of the darkness as well? Uh, they, yeah, they, uh, when they were first kind of breaking through, they were making their first album. They rehearsed at the, the studio in Hackney uh, that they used to run. Uh, for about a year and so I sort of worked with them and they was unknown playing in pubs in Hackney up to when they was off to Nebworth so it was a really mm. good year to know them but they, no one would touch them with a barge pole to start with because they were considered to be such a joke um, and even though they were doing interviews in like Kerrang and Guitarist Magazine and Drummer and all everything else they couldn't get any freebies normally when you go on tour everyone wants to be associated with a successful band and they yeah, give, yeah. give, give them stuff you know, to, to endorse them they couldn't get anything they, no, no one would touch them uh, and then one day, Justin came in, uh, the singer Justin Hawkins came into the studio, really happy, genuinely pleased as bunch. It's like, Dave, got my first endorsement, got my first freebie. I was like, oh, was it Marshall? No, no, it's not amplifiers. Gibson, guitar? No, no, not guitars. Strings, plectrums, always. Like, no, and he was genuinely happy with this. Nicky Clark's going to do my highlights. <laughs> <laughs> and that's like the celebrity hairdresser, isn't it? Yeah, Because right. yeah, yeah. he's long, he had really long hair. Was he like, yeah, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. First time I met him, though, completely unknown. I knew he was a rock star. He walked in shoeless, nipple bleeding because he just had a tattoo, like a yeah, piercing done yeah, in his dodgy yeah. shop in Hackney High Street. And I looked at him and thought, I don't know who you are, but I can't see you being anything other than a rock, rock star. star yeah, you, know, yeah. you just see it in some people. You know? um, make it until you make it. Absolutely. Yeah. And how were the highlights? Were the highlights good? Uh, yeah, they were faultless. Yeah, absolutely faultless. Cool. And then he came in saying he was going to have a, a, a cat suit made out of the stuff that goes around row cones. So right. when he comes out on stage, you'll shine like an angel under the lights. <laughs> How was the nipple tattoo? Was that all right? Was it good? Uh, Did you get to see that? Uh, no, I just saw the blood. Oh. Yeah, I never actually got to, got to see the actual piercing in full. Ooh. Well, life goes on, doesn't it? It does. Um, so, let's do your first live song. I'll, I'll let you introduce it. Uh, this is a song by a, a great band called James, who, uh, despite what people think, have had more than one hit, and I didn't know that until I bought their greatest hits. They've had many. But this is one of my favourite ones because it's got yodelling in it, and it can't be a bit of yodelling in pop.
a disease Without any cure She says I'm so obsessed I'm becoming a ball No I think you're so pretty Hands inside the tail, slant fingers in the door, fought with kitchen knives and skewers. Dress me up in women's clothes, messed around with gender roles, light my eyes and call me pretty. You out, she cut a hole in the wall I thought you'd sit next to me I thought I was alone You're driving me crazy When are you coming home? Laid, uh, David Shepard doing uh, the cover of James, and then you'll be doing a Mumford and Sons cover uh, as well, which is really cool. That's going to be in around ten minutes' time, and you'll be able to watch that on Facebook as well on the Michigan Radio Facebook page. Um, right now, we're going to play you a bit of Bexley Band Glass Peaks. Uh, their new song is called "Hold Me Close." Remember, get in touch using the hashtag the KP Session. That is Pedestrian Zero, 22 Degrees Halo, uh, featuring uh, the vocals of Cess Harding. Uh, he's a new Ash Green uh, songwriter, and that is available, uh, digital versions, I believe, on Bandcamp. Um, and we've got a world exclusive from him as well next week, so do tune in next week for a world exclusive first radio play ever of a new song from Pedestrian Zero. Uh, right now, though, it's our second live song. Uh, it's another cover from David Shepard, and if you want to watch it, uh, go onto the Miskin Radio Facebook page, and you'll be able to watch it as well as listen to it. So I leave it to you to introduce. Thank you very much. Yes, it's going to be a, a song by Mumford and Sons. I've got to do the radio-friendly version. Don't panic. Ooh. Weep for yourself, my man. You'll never be what is in your heart. Weep, little lion man, you're not as brave as you were at the start. Wreck yourself and wreck yourself for using all the courage you had left. Wasting on fixing all the problems that you made in your own head. But it was not your fault but mine. And it was your heart on the line. I really mucked it up this time Deny my dear Deny my dear Tremble for yourself my man You know that you have seen this all before 
traveling lion and you'll never settle any of your scores. Your grace is wasted in your face, your boldness stands alone amongst the wreck. Learn from your mother or else spend your days biting your own neck. But it was not your fault but mine, and it was your heart on the line. I really mucked it up this time, didn't I, my dear? But it was not your fault but mine, and it was your heart on the line. I really mucked it up this time, didn't I, my dear? Didn't I, my Oh, yes. Little Lion Man, uh, David Shepherd, uh, doing the Mumford and Sons cover. If you want to hear those sessions again, uh, you can uh, on the podcast. Uh, just search the Kieran Paul sessions wherever you get your podcasts and you can download it for free uh, from tomorrow morning. It's time now for this. Worst jobby wobby, worst jobby wobby, worst, worst, worst. Worst jobby wobby, worst jobby wobby, worst. <laughs> so we, just had, we just had a wonderful uh, live song from David. Uh, Paul, you were just saying you, you wanted to join in. Oh man, I'm sorry. <laughs> Didn't realise the light was on. The don't know, it's fine. Yeah, the the red light goes on and we're talking on air. That's, both, that's the rule. We, both we're songs doing that. I've you know, had to resist. Tapping the table and in that song harmonising with you at the end, man. I you wish should have joined in. Do you know, right. one of the things I miss about being in bands is actually having someone to harmonise or harmonise oh, with. Mate, you know, sorry. being a solo can be a bit. I mean, you can lonely. do something now if you want. Yeah, if you want to. Looking from a window above. No, no, no. no, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want me singing on the radio, man. You lose all of your listeners. No, no trust me. I've, uh, it's, it's good. It's good. You, is your wife listening? Yeah. Do you reckon she'd listen if you were singing? Would she stop? Oh yeah, totally. That'd be it. She'd oh. be the first one. Yeah, she'd yeah. be the first one. No, I'm not listening to yeah, this. Yeah, she leaves the house, man. She doesn't oh, like okay. it. And I do sing a lot at home as well. I've Got to say, it's good. Fancy myself as an amateur washing up slash oh, shower, yeah, shower, shower and washing up in the car as well. 
Oh, the car, totally, yeah. That's that's the place where it happens. The magic happens in the car. Ooh. Well, Bob uh, Dylan ain't made a bad career. I've uh, not been out to sing at all, has he? Ooh! Uh, oh. no, 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 Bob Dylan's a fantastic mm. songwriter. He's actually more... He actually Didn't he get inducted as some kind of, like, uh, poet last yeah, year? Yes, he did. Yeah, 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 yeah. It wasn't there because he was uh, voted this master poet when he was saying he was a folk singer. And the, all the snobby he's a genius thing. lyric writer. Brilliant. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and he's kind of one of these people that people cover his work much better than he sang them originally, which is a testament to how good his songs are. But you know the only two impressions I do are Bob Dylan and a moped starting up, and it's frankly the same thing. You know, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> you know it's kind of... <laughs> what CC was the moped? <laughs> Depends if it's pre-electric or not. Oh, because he got a lot of stick when he put down the acoustic, didn't he? Um, right now we just uh, worst jobby wobby. So we're going to come to Paul first. Tell us about uh, your worst jobby wobby. Okay. 2012, I worked for a freight company in the town I'm from, which is Dover. Shout out to Dover. Um, and yeah, I, I was really excited about getting the job because I thought, okay, this is maybe where I can hang my hat and have a bit of a career, you know, in the exciting world of freight transporting. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I was really let down. And I, thinking back in the interview, the guy was like, you're not a shrinking violet, are you? And I was like, no, no, you know, I play football and stuff. I enjoy the bands. But um, I didn't realise that, they were, yeah, the worst human beings I've ever worked with. And I don't mean because they're annoying, they had their ways, they were just horrible from a kind of, uh, yeah, racist standpoint. Mm-hmm. They just... Weren't yeah. very nice people. It's probably similar, if you work for the Trump administration now, it's probably yeah, a, yeah. a similar vibe, you know. And uh, yeah, it didn't last very long, six months, and I was... Although I don't think there. the Trump administration particularly like importing things, do they? Especially people. That's not something they like. They're True. They're an- they yeah, they're probably yeah. the anti Yes, they're, they're, not, they're not happy with any sort of importing. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, now, David, uh, you modelled for, for an art class. Ooh, Please I tell did. us. I did. Well, I was, I was at art college myself. And, and by uh, the way, you have a remarkable uh, similarity to... Oh, who plays Iron Man? Robert Downey Jr. You just, you're Robert Downey Jr. to oh, me. Yeah. So. If you can imagine Robert uh, Downey Jr. in an art class. It wasn't nude modelling. It was the same rate of pay for nude, kit on or kit off, so I didn't do that. Why would you do nude modelling then, if it's if it's the same wage? Uh, well, oh, you should pay college, more. So I don't know, what I mean, did you have on? What was you wearing? Uh, well, at the time, it's funny, because I was... Iron I, Man suit? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I actually dressed up as Tony Stark at a couple of sci-fi events that I sang at. It was kind of part of the room. <laughs> you're cooler. Uh, I actually think you're cooler than Tony Stark. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I think yeah. you're I've got a little man crush. Something about poverty that makes you cool, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, Tony Stark's money. I Bob Geldof and Bono have been doing it for uh, a couple of years. No, basically, I was, I was at an art class, and there used to be an old guy that used to model, but he had a problem because he was, he was coming to an age where he couldn't stay awake. And it's a job we have to stay still for six hours. You know, we have a little break in between. Six wow. hours. Six hours sometimes. And it sounds easy. I'll, I'll just no, sit on the sofa It doesn't, no, doesn't sound easy at all. Cramp sets in in every muscle of about 15, 20 minutes. And this guy used to have a habit of just basically falling asleep. And by the end of the session, he was foot lower in the sofa than when he started. Yeah. And people actually kind of moving his arms back onto his knee and stuff. So the art teacher said, look, he's retiring soon. Do you want to take over while you're at college? You know, a bit of, bit of extra cash. Yeah. And basically, that's what I did. So I used to kind of just, I was in bands at the time anyway. So I was like chains and handcuffs and kind of makeup and everything. Just to turn up. Just to give the, the, uh, the students something a little bit more But did you have like a break? Was it sick? Did you have a break? You have, you have a break. You have to sort of go and eat lunch and stuff and come back. And then when you'd sit down, the students would be saying, okay, so your hand was kind of a bit yeah, more how do that you, yeah, finger. Yeah, I was going to say. Almost like they were superimposing their picture over where you were sat mm. to try and get you back into the same sort of position. What did you think about the whole time when you stood there? 
for six hours. Keep yourself I, 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 I think it's about a really annoying clock that used to tick every 30 seconds. How many seconds in a six so hours? I can't remember. I remember oh, getting God. to about sort of three or four hours of counting in 30 seconds and think, oh, I'm just giving up the will to live, really. But it was, uh, I've become a bit of a philosopher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you must have thought some brilliant things in six hours. Well, I did. In 21,600 seconds. There you go. Good I, thought, I must write this down when I go, and this will make a great song. And obviously on the bus home, I just kind of completely forgot what I was thinking about. <laughs> so, yeah, a lot of, lot of good songs went by the wayside, I'm afraid. Uh. Like, I just don't get the, how can you, how can you be in exactly the same place? I don't, could you like, could you listen to like music? Could you have nope. it? What Nothing. could you do? Right, like Rose in Titanic never had this problem when Jack was painting her. Like they did that in like they bashed that out in thirty minutes, right? Well, that, I don't that, get that, it. That's why it probably comes under the title of worst job you ever had. Oh yeah, <laughs> was, I do. Was, yeah, that's the reason. But yeah. I, I just don't understand you can do it for six hours. I it can't was, sit still for ten hard. minutes. Could you scratch if you had an itch? Or? Uh, you could, you could, but you had to make sure that you, you know, Went you back. knew exactly where you were. Why you didn't did they do yeah. like a chalk outline around? Yeah, I was Wouldn't say, that like, make sense? Like a chalk outline around you. It would if you wanted a job in forensics, I guess. Yeah, could have been a forensic artist. Well, to be honest, like if I had to sit still for six hours, I would probably die. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what I'd do. Could you well, eat? Could you eat and drink? Uh, well, it's what we did in your lunch break. You couldn't have any, oh. any kind of refreshments or anything. No but, water? Uh, that, that's, that, no. That, that's, that's probably why um, the old guy, you know, they, they retired him off because I think there were literally a couple of times when they thought he had died. <laughs> Wow. But they're not allowed to check him like they've got no, to keep painting. No, we only no. can check him after six yeah. hours. If he jumps too much, it's really going to put the students off. <laughs> at least he's still. Even if, if it's just rigor mortis, at least he's not moving. And you could have been a stuntman as well. Yeah, my first job was supposed to be stuntman. I was supposed to do a stunt in a film, which I didn't know about until I went to see the film. Because you, you have what in gymnastics? Uh, I used to be a gymnast, which obviously going to school in West Ham, I kept very, very, very quiet because only two sports there are kind of football and fighting. and. Yeah. Uh, you know, gymnastics, obviously, if you're a gymnast in that sort of environment, you've got a questionable sexuality, clearly, sure. you know. You know, I tried to explain to him, look, I do a sport for But you like, you like one women and national... you make it into a bath with 10 other men at the end of a game of football, but you know, <laughs> you know just saying. Um, you, yeah, you so, won so, national Yeah, the, the team I was in, Bush Harlow, was, uh, was coached by Mitch Fenner, who was, uh, used to commentate all the Olympics and stuff until he passed away last year. And the other coach was Jeff Hewitt Davis, who was a British Olympian, who became a stunt coordinator. And the team that I was in, we won the, the national championships two years running for our age groups. I've got two British gold medals at home. Yeah. Which was dug out the So you would have had a cracking body for the nude stuff. Why didn't you just do the new stuff? You would have been like the fittest person oh, in the room. To be like, money. I, was, I, was I, I said that way too energetic. Yeah. <laughs> you were yeah, excited. I got yeah. well excited. Well, I retired at 16 and until I was about 19, 20, I had a fantastic physique. It was yeah. like a typical gymnast and then kind of um, rock and roll and drinking set in and kind of lifestyle and what was too your, many kebabs. What was your thing? Was you a tumbler or uh, like well, a horse guy? My, my favourite My favorite was actually the floor and tumbling, which was no coincidence because my coach Jeff Davis was actually a, a great tumbler um, I love the high bar the freedom of spinning around and just swinging around that thing that's scary though um, you don't think about it scary until you get hurt and then that's when, that's when the mortality sets in and you think this is dangerous and that's when the, the doubts step in so you have to have a bit of craziness yeah, about it to yeah. not think about it but no he, he, Jeff when he retired from the sport became a stunt coordinator and stuntman Ah. So he started off on things like London's Burning and Shameless, and he did all like kind of uh, Spaced and Shaun of the Dead and that stunt. Call. And then he went on to the first stunt I ever saw him in, I recognised him without even knowing it was him, was in the first Batman. I thought you movie. weren't meant to recognise stuntman. I thought that was no, no, point. no. I recognised his style. Oh, right. He was in Batman, the first Batman with Jack Nicholson. He's the guy that backflips across a belfry at the end really? and gets kicked down. When nice. I, saw, I was in the States at the time and actually saw that on July the 4th. When all these celebrations are going outside, I thought, I can't be bothered. That. I want to go and see Batman. It's not out in the UK for two months. So we went and watched that, and I saw it. I thought, that really looked like Jeff. And he's he's uh, 
these names at the credits. But basically, there was a film called Legend. This I'm showing my age now, if you remember that. Oh, Tom, Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. Yeah. Um, and, what's his uh, name? Tim Curry is the big it, devil dude. The devil. Yeah. And, and they, they wanted a, a guy of my stature because I was very, I was like four foot 11 when I was 15 and five foot one when I was 16. Because uh, it sort of stunted my growth. For Tom Cruise, standard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, too tall for that. Because <laughs> um, it stunted my growth. I was training like 28 hours a week at school time and 48 hours a week in non-term time. And uh, they wanted a, a goblin to backflip across a, a set that was on fire. <laughs> and I didn't know this until I went to see the film. And my mum said, oh, you were supposed to be in that, but they dropped the stunt from the film. Ah. I didn't know that. They said, we didn't tell at the time in case you were disappointed. I don't mind. But yeah. So I never became a stuntman. Which means I can still get life insurance, which is good. Yeah, that's good. Um, <laughs> right, finally, uh, can you do the Paul? Can you do the ring poem? Of course. Okay, get ready, Radio Land. They should have thrown the one true ring in the oven, or used the hob bit. <laughs> hey, that one is a slow burner. The gateway to your community, Miskin Radio. Hello, Kieran here. And Ben. Yeah. Thank you for downloading. Uh, do click subscribe so you get a free podcast delivered straight to your device as soon as it's out. Also, if you get your podcast on iTunes, do give us a star rating and a review, even if it's bad. Maybe, yeah, even if it's bad. How about saying, be a star and give us a rating? No. Oh. But also, give us a follow on Instagram and Snapchat. Just search to KP Sessions. Maisie's here! She's our new member of our team, Ben. Maisie's oh. lovely. What's her role? I don't know. She's I don't know. Oh. She just sits in, watches. Mm. Mm. Eats crisps. Ooh. Ooh. Sharing is caring. Just yeah. remember that. It's probably that time we stop recording now, isn't it? Yeah, we've got a show to do. Mm. Maisie, can I have a drink? No, get it yourself. Oh, Actually, Ben, we didn't we didn't uh, put you in. Can you like pretend to be coming through the door? Slam the door now. Slam it. Slam it. Oh, Ewan just arrived. Hey, Ewan. <laughs> <laughs>